Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mod Chat. In case you do not know, this is a series I do at least monthly here in two forms. First of all, there is a visual form you can check out on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. Or if you want to take this around with you like an actual podcast, well, you can listen to it on most major podcasting platforms. Simply look up Mod Chat, all one word, on your favorite podcasting app or platform, and it should hopefully be there so you can download it, enjoy it, and listen to it wherever the hell you want to, like an actual podcast. Now, I know I'm dropping this episode quite late in the month here, really at the very end of the month. You know, this is actually supposed to be about a week earlier, and unfortunately, well, I was all set up, I was ready to record, I even recorded a bit of it, and some life happened. Everything is all good at this point, but sometimes you just gotta change things around a bit. Speaking of that as well, too, as you can see, if you're checking out the visual this is going to be a little bit different because I'm going to be using some gameplay here yet again. It's been a few months since I used gameplay, and I'm still going to be using some different parts of Hades on the Nintendo Switch. I have said before, and I still stick to it, that I'm not really big into roguelike type games, but this one here, Hades... It's something special. It's a little bit different. But anyways, uh, we're going to kind of have that interspersed with all the topics here. And speaking of the topics, let's just go ahead and jump into our first one. I did want to touch up on some awesome game ports here. And the first one here being REVC, Reverse Engineer Grand Theft Auto Vice City, the Switch port, just like RE3 that we had seen a while ago at this point, And that was with RE3NX. Now, this is from Grabber or A grabber, the same gentleman who actually worked on porting RE3 over to the Switch with RE3NX, and they ended up posting a GBA temp post here saying, Hello, this is the long-awaited follow-up to RE3. This is REVC for the Nintendo Switch, a reverse-engineered, decompiled version of Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Now there is the available source code as well as a link to the original project here with RE3, this being the Miami branch. You can check out either of the links, but just checking out a grabber's GitHub right here. You can check it all out. This is all of the information that you'd need to get started on this and the actual source code for the specific switch port and there's also some releases as well here too that you can grab now these ones aren't the actual compiled versions those are going to be back over at the GBA temp page reading right back off this it states REVC was based on the work done on RE3 pretty much just like how Grand Theft Auto Vice City is based on Grand Theft Auto 3 made by the same team just as with RE3 it was relatively easy to port over to the switch because cross-platform code and libraries was already available. Only 30 frames per second with the frame limiter on is supported for now. You can turn off the frame limiter, but a number of still unfixed bugs related to high frame rate might be present. There can be occasional stutters. You can configure graphic options on the graphics setup menu. Settings are most likely the PC version aside from graphics, display, and controller stuff. You can choose from multiple controller layouts, configure audio, graphics, language, etc. Saves are stored on the user files folder. Because of SD card read speeds, some audio might take longer to load than usual. Example, radios, cutscene voice lines. Thanks to an update, this doesn't start the whole game anymore, but will still take a bit to load them. Now we do have some screen, well, okay, only one screenshot here, but still, this is looking awesome so far. And funny enough, this is actually not the first Switch port of REVC. I do know that around the time RE3NX released, there was another very early in development REVC Switch port, uh, but that was even 
taken not not dmca'd off github but the author ended up taking it down and i did try it out unfortunately it was, it was pretty early on so it worked but it was quite buggy it wasn't well optimized it kept crashing so i've played a grabbers re3 like his grand theft auto 3 port and it was great i actually finished it on the switch and i did a review of it and i loved it so i'm really happy to see his work continue here with revc for the switch next up i'm just showing this video right here from youtube user psp mav but as you can see this is not a psp game this is a psp with custom firmware and it is booting up a ps1 game and this ps1 game is well friday night funkin on the psp Oh, I guess, excuse me, on a PS1. It's a PS1 homebrew port of Friday Night Funkin'. I'll even get a little bit further here, but as you can see, this is like, this is actually really cool looking right here. This is the actual menu and everything. Uh, just going through all of this. It looks like mods are coming soon. Let's see where the progress is once we get to this. And you can actually play through this. I think it's been ported. Yes, it has been ported up to week seven so far. Now, so far, I've only played a little bit of Friday Night Funkin' on PC. I very much enjoyed it, but it is really cool seeing this port right here. And we're just going to, you know, see a bit of this. Like, this looks pretty nice to me. This looks like it's working just fine. Maybe even go forward a little bit, but awesome. All right, cool. <laughs> this is great. Now, I did want to show that visual at least, but if you are wanting to actually obtain look further into the project, it is ported over by GitHub user Cucky Dev, and it is under the PSX Funkin GitHub repository. And just reading up on this here, PSX Funkin. Friday Night Funkin on the PSX, lol. This port uses Nugget plus PsyQ SDK. First, you'll need to install MIPS GCC stuff in order to compile the source. Then you'll need to get the converted PsyQ SDKs, include and lib folders, and extract them into a certain folder here. You can find more information regarding these right here. And once you have the SDK set up and compiled the game into funkin.ps-exe, you'll need make PSX ISO to create an ISO for the game. You can find make PSX ISO here. You'll have to compile it yourself since the latest release is broken. And then it also says you'll need to either get a PSX license file and save it as licensea.dat in the same directory as funkin.xml or remove the referencing line for a license.dat from funkin.xml. There's a disclaimer here that this project is not endorsed by the original Friday Night Funkin' devs. This is just an unofficial fan project because I was bored. Assets such as Week 7 versus Cappy versus Tricky are used with permission from their respective owners. Awesome. And if we go over to the releases right here, the latest release was on, uh, it's a test 0.10 ISO. This was latest released on June 9th. And it says here, that's right, I'm doing the Minecraft. I've finally rewritten and finished the menu system. This brings so many improvements and makes it almost seem like this is an actual game. Open text is properly synced to music. Opening now has random messages each time you start the game. Title screen doesn't look horrible anymore. Debug stage select is removed in favor of a proper menu. Difficulty selector, now the easy and normal charts of each song are available. Story mode is there. Free play is there. Actually, this is the exact same thing that we saw, the same build that we saw played. But it is noted, don't use EPSXE. I'm unsure if that's due to emulator incompatibility issues or maybe just a personal preference uh but point being here i i guess even still if you want to play this in an emulator you can technically play it on the psp emulator the ps1 emulator on the psp or even the ps1 emulator on the epsp on the vita uh 
point is it, it works just fine there so that's really cool to see next up we have a piece of hardware that has been not only announced but also released this is from friend of the show the mod shop and he states i'm happy to announce the launch of the x flasher 360 compatible with every xbox 360 motherboard and nearly three times faster than the nand x available with resellers now and let's link to his site so right here the features it states oh this is a little different here it says twice as fast as the nand x an all-in-one design compatible with every Xbox 360 motherboard, easily toggle between SPI and eMMC mode with a flip of a switch, reads, writes, 4GB NANDs in 5 seconds. Oh my god, wow, okay. Uh, reads, writes, 16MB NANDs in under 50 seconds, and I know for 16MB NANDs on a NAND X, which was previously the fastest one, that took about 2 minutes. It usually take like a minute 52 seconds, something like that. So that's cool that it's able to increase that so much. Uh, no more single-use 4GB QSBs, native integration with JRunner with extra software, which is the new version of JRunner that really uh, Octal or Josh Davidson has really taken and uh, run with, so to speak. <laughs> uh, flashing compatibility for all Xilinx-based glitch chips, including the Ace V3, CoolRunner, Matrix, etc. Native Windows 64-bit drivers, no more hassling with unsigned drivers. That is a big one right there. And it looks like in the USA, you can buy it from the Weekend Modder or Fiend mod or if you're in the uk you can get it from chip chop mod uh there is a driver installer j runner with extras of course and the x flasher user guide but it does say there is a manufacturer suggested retail price of 30 dollars so in my experience here and in my opinion if you are looking to get a flasher if you're looking at like a nandex or a jr programmer or something else if you're wanting to modify your xbox 360 and you need a nand flasher you should look no further than the x flasher 360 this is going to be the standard to go with right here now next up uh, this is kind of talking about uh revc and this is just a little bit disappointing here now even with that release with revc nx at least you know the switch port that was actually done because this is months ago when re3 was released so to speak uh, and by that i mean it had been open source it was out there but the project finally got to a point for re3 and revc where they all considered it was done they as in the developers so it was like pretty much ready to go and there was just going to be slight bug fixes after that uh but aside from that you know that's when a grabber said hey i'm going to release revc kind of just you know to celebrate uh, these projects getting back because they were taken down due to DMCA takedowns. And then what happened was the authors of the mods, or I guess the reverse engineering efforts, uh, the GTK modding team, they actually end up filing a counter notice and Take-Two never replied, so the projects came back. I want to say that right here because this was posted up pretty recently. This is from GTA Forms, and I'm not going to read everything here, but we're just going to kind of touch up on it a bit. It states, Take 2 changes the agreement and modding takedowns. Now, this is from Ash underscore 735, and they say here, just to make sure as many people here know as possible, Take-Two has been going heavy with the DMCAs this week. First starting with Grand Theft Auto 5 map mod mods like GTA 3 Portland, Vice City Overhaul, etc. Which is fair and they fell under the agreement. Oh wait. 
What's the agreement? The agreement came around the first attempt when Take-Two tried to make modding Grand Theft Auto games illegal. This resulted in the takedown of Open 4 or Open IV. Naturally, this did not fly well back in 2017, and both gamers and the gaming media attacked Rockstar and Take-Two for this decision. Now, what came from this is Rockstar Games stepping up and talking to Take-Two to highlight the importance of the modding community, and as such, the takedowns were dropped, but some rules were put into place. The original was drafted up in 2017, and it can be summarized as don't port maps, vehicles, content from older Grand Theft Auto games or other video game series into Rage, and stay away from online, absolutely do not touch online or anything related to Grand Theft Auto Online. Simple, right? The older Renderware era was also not going to be enforced, so that's okay to mod as much as you'd like. Well, in 2019, this agreement was updated without informing the community, multiple changes and words were changed to pretty much add in a disclaimer that Take-Two can override any of this and, well, Take-Two can do what they want. There's also a weird rule stating, along with older content not allowed to be ported to Rage Grand Theft Auto V, you cannot create new content such as maps, vehicles, missions. But wait, if we can't do old stuff and cannot do new stuff... Isn't that basically saying we have nothing to do? Now, talking about what's happening now, since early hours today, Take-Two has sent out mass takedowns for older Grand Theft Auto game mods. The 3D era that was previously safe has now been hit in a massive attack erasing a lot of history, including mods that have been featured on Grand Theft Auto forums and the modding section such as Grand Theft Auto Liberty City, a project that is over 15 years old, and Grand Theft Auto Underground, which was due a large update in the next few days. It's not even major map porting projects that have been hit, but even HD texture pack projects such as the famous Vice Cry. Uh, what other mods were hit? Uh, I guess we talk about those, but Grand Theft Auto Liberty City, Grand Theft Auto State of Liberty, Grand Theft Auto 5 on San Andreas, Vice Cry, Liberty City Stories PC Edition, Vice City Stories PC Edition, and many more. But why? There's two theories so far. These DMCA claims specifically state they're hunting for any mentions of Liberty City, Vice City, San Andreas, Bullworth, and Carcer City. Most people are hoping this confirms the existence of the heavily rumored Grand Theft Auto 3, Vice City, San Andreas remasters or remakes, whereas the other theory is that Take-Two are using this as an opportunity to flex their muscles and hide behind the upcoming large update for Grand Theft Auto Online, as they hope most websites will be focused on that. Now, in regards to this, just coming to the bottom here, it's stating here, we've also heard from a manager over at Mod Database who has stated that they've tried to resolve this issue with Take-Two, but sadly were ignored. And this is from David Grimer Gome, uh, who, of course, they say is the manager over there. And they say, hey, editor and community manager at ModDB here. I just want to state now, we literally can't do much else but comply with the DMCA. But as a modder to of various games who has shipped a few mods in his time, this has saddened me too. I wish there was something else to be done. We did try to appeal and open up a dialogue to get this resolved without requiring the takedown of mods, of which a good dozen or more were affected, but take two were unreceptive. Right now, my advice is to tread carefully if your mod wasn't DMCA2, as it could be possible. Now, I will say this news is incredibly disappointing, and it looks like, yes, indeed, two years ago, that agreement was changed. And that can be enforced at any time. And I guess nobody really paid attention to this agreement until now, unfortunately. But there was always an understanding of sorts for the last two years. While as, you know, Take-Two claim they are within their rights to do this to Grand Theft Auto mods, they really didn't go crazy taking anything down to begin with, um, at least, you know, until now at this point. So there's been more mods recently that have been taken down. And on top of that, there's even other people who are taking down their mods pre 
preemptively themselves so as to avoid any type of DMCA takedown notice. I don't think this is really going to help anything in terms of squashing mod development. There might be a few modders who decide to stop, but really in regards to development itself, I don't think it's going to change all that much, especially if we see it where it's just kind of a wave of takedowns and then it stops for a while. It's It's been very interesting how we see this happen, because I even mentioned this with RE3 when that project was taken down. It got a lot of attention prior when the Switch port came out by a grabber, that got a lot of attention, and that was still in an unfinished state. However, Take-Two never took down the project until it was quote-unquote done. Like, kind of like they waited up until that point, and tons of people already had the compiled, you know, versions of the binaries, and also ports were made, and also the source code was already floating out there, so it was pretty late in the process to take it all down. But from what I understand, videos were not taken down of this, and on top of that, there were a couple of counter notices that were submitted. One person who had a fork of this ended up submitting their counter notice, and they got their project back up because Take-Two never responded. That's how the DMCA counter notice, you know, setup works. And then the main GTA modding project team, they of course ended up submitting their counter notice. They were trying to get all their ducks in a row, so it took them a while. And again, there was no response there. So even historically, a lot of times it looks like Take-Two will issue a DMCA and then just do nothing afterwards on here. And I guess we kind of just have to see how well this is going to be enforced. I'm not really sure about the Grand Theft Auto Online update right there, but I might lean personally more towards the fact that maybe this means that something is going to happen with those older 3D games. What if we see some kind of trilogy remaster bundle release, or they all end up getting re-releases in some way? I think there could be something like that that's happening, and it's even interesting to see that Carcer City and Bullworth-type mods were being taken down as well, too. Uh, Bullworth being from the game Bully, and Carcer City being from Manhunt, I believe. Is anything going to happen with those titles? I'm not sure, but we can certainly see. Either way, this is concerning, this is disappointing, and I don't have too much else to say aside from us just kind of monitoring the situation here, but if you are looking for some of those older 3D era Grand Theft Auto mods, might be good to make sure you have them at least cached somewhere. So next up, this is still kind of in the sphere of legal related things, but this is something good, not directly with modding, but uh, look, this this does have to do with it, alright? The FTC votes unanimously to enforce right to repair, and that unanimous vote just makes me really happy, and that's what I was not expecting here. However, it states here, the move follows an executive order issued last week by the White House urging the agency to secure consumer rights to fix their own gadgets. And this is, of course, directly related to the United States here. Now, just reading from the Wired article, during an open commission meeting Wednesday, the Federal Trade Commission voted unanimously to enforce laws around the right to repair, thereby ensuring that U.S. customers will be able to repair their own electronic and automotive devices. The FTC's endorsement of the rules is not a surprise outcome. The issue of right to repair has been a remarkably bipartisan one, and the FTC itself issued a lengthy report in May that blasted manufacturers for restricting repairs. But the 5-0 vote signals the Commission's commitment to enforce both federal antitrust laws and a key law around consumer warranties. 
the Magnuson Moss Warranty Act when it comes to personal device repairs. Now, even as an example here, as more products are designed with internet connectivity from smartphones to refrigerators to cars, the issue of repair rights has become increasingly complicated. Repair advocates say consumers should have access to all of the data that their personal devices collect and that independent repair shops should have access to the same diagnostic tools that authorized repair shops have. Now, I know one person who I've really followed in regards to this has been Lewis Rossman, who has really kind of, he has even said he doesn't want to be the face of right to repair, but he's kind of accidentally fallen into that role. And really, this is going to allow people to, if they are able to actually open up their device, and as long as they're not damaging something, they can still, you know, open up their device, have access to hardware, software, and even parts they need to repair their devices themselves. And even so, if they perform a repair and there's no damage that is being done in regards to that, like it's not something that they screwed up, like they did repair properly and the device is still not working, this is in regards to a few other things as well too, you should still be able to have your warranty be honored there. Uh, here in the U.S. as well too, warranty seals on devices such as like game consoles and such have actually been illegal for a long, long time, but that hasn't prevented companies from doing that. If anything, when it comes back up after a few years, they get fined and then things move on, but I'm seeing less of that now as well too. So even in regards to this, this is really great to see. Now, even to be clear, this does not mean that proprietary secrets, that source code, that, you know, super hidden information from companies is going to leak out and go all over the place. This just means, let's say you have a phone or even a game console, just a device that you are trying to repair, you should hopefully be able to have access to software that you would be able to use to do the repairs yourself. You should be able to access schematics where you can figure everything out yourself as long as you have the know-how. And if you end up tracing and figuring out which parts you are able to you replace or repair on there, but we're going to use replace in this case here. And I'm not talking like a big power supply or something. I'm talking about, let's say like a chip, a small chip on the motherboard. You should be able to go out and buy that chip yourself and plop it on there. A lot of chips you're able to do that, but there are some companies such as Apple that will take certain chips and then work on getting deals made with the companies that create those chips saying you can only sell these chips to Apple, you can't sell them to anyone else. And this would effectively prevent that from happening. So what I'm saying is when we're dealing with something such as modding and modding news and modding topics that is really falling, you know, pretty closely hand in hand with the repair as well too, because there's been many times I've had to perform modifications in order to do repairs or even get something to a better working state. It is nice that we have this, you know, enforced now at this point, and this is now passing. Uh, this is all good news is what I'm saying. So this is really awesome to see. Now, at the end of these episodes of Mod Chat, I like to take something that is kind of related to or kind of in the same realm as modding. And it could be something that is funny, something cool, something interesting, uh, random, but somehow kind of sort of related to modding. And this time around, I actually want to talk about a article here uh, that was making its rounds, or I guess not even this specific one, but really just a story where over in Ukraine, there was a warehouse that was raided uh, that apparently this was raided because this warehouse was allegedly, mind you, but they were allegedly uh, illegally obtaining power so that they would be able to power a whole ton of computers and game consoles 
to do crypto mining. The thing that threw off people is the 3800 PS4s. Now, at first, when this news article came out, it was there was a lot of computers that were found that were doing crypto mining. But then there was also all these PS4s, so people outside the modding scene were trying to figure out what the PS4s were used for, or how exactly they were used. While people in the modding scene, myself included, thought, oh wow, these all must be jailbroken PS4s, they're probably running Linux, but is it really that worthwhile to use these PS4s? And these are like, these are the pro models from what I see. Is it really worth using these PS4s to actually do cryptocurrency mining? Well, that's actually not the case here. Uh, the PS4s were just kind of clarifying here. Uh, this is for a FIFA Ultimate Team bot farm. I do not play FIFA. I don't know anything about Ultimate Team, but from what I know, people are able to kind of work through these gray or black markets in game around the game itself. It's even stating here, the police in Ukraine have raided a warehouse filled with 3,800 PlayStation 4 consoles, which it originally believed to be a cryptocurrency mining farm. It turns out the undercover op operation was instead grinding FIFA Ultimate Team and selling counts loaded with virtual currency and rare player cards. So there we go. This is kind of just like quick, sweet, interesting here, but just kind of clarifying that as well too. Yes, there were a bunch of PS4s found in this raid. No, they are not jailbroken. Yes, they are all online. Yes, they are all fully updated. And no, it's not for anything modding related, you know, kind of, I guess, unfortunately for us in this case, it was... They're being used on FIFA Ultimate Team. I, I just thought this is kind of funny, too, because I've told people about this. They're like, wow, that, that is totally waste of PlayStation 4s at this point. Could have been a better game. <laughs> Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mod Chat. I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all learned a few things, and I hope it entertained. Now, at the very end of these episodes, I like to pick a keyword or key phrase, and if I see that you all use this in the comment on the YouTube upload, I will know that you've made it to the end. Now, let's see. We do need to pick something here, and I think I'm going to pick coin. How about that? If you use the word coin in your comment on the YouTube upload of this episode, I will know that you've made it to the end. What's your favorite type of coin? What's your least favorite type of coin? What, I, I guess, what kind of FIFA Ultimate Team coins are you trying to get? Yes, that's how I got it here. I still have the article pulled up, so that's kind of where I got that word from. But anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. And until next time.